I'm Maria Schwartz, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. Today, we're talking Seattle Storm versus the LA Sparks in another do-or-die round, round two of the WNBA playoffs. like our show please consider joining our patreon community for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w i'm here with brady Klopfer, and we're talking storm versus the la sparks brady how's it going you excited for uh playoff basketball in la i am extremely excited it's going to be a fun game my only complaint is that they decided to put the two games on sunday so close to each other so since i'll be covering the game i'll probably miss like the first half maybe the first three quarters of of the vegas chicago game which is a bummer so i kind of wish they'd given us a little bit more space there but both games should be fantastic and i'm 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 very much looking forward to some some playoff basketball in la it's a, yeah, a good vibe it's exciting man yeah yeah and, and playoff basketball in la is a is a fun fun things the you know they only had one home game last year but it, the fans really showed up for it a lot of energy a lot of excitement the players are obviously always very into it so it's a it's a completely different vibe all right well let's talk about something i mean like last time these two teams meet it was ridiculous i mean 102 68 i believe was the final candace parker dropped 20 um was it the season finale i'm blanking it was the second to last game for the sparks at least yeah okay so second to last game and i mean just ridiculous. They had something like 47 or something like that uh, points in the paint. They just dominated Seattle in the paint, a, a franchise record. When I look at this matchup, the thing that always kind of comes to my mind is when I think of the LA Sparks, I think of a team that has almost dipped their toes in both pools in the sense of they are a little bit undersized in the true basketball, you know, positionings, if you want to call it that in, in regard to like the bigs, um, they're overskilled. And, and I mean that in, they make up for the lack of size with being overskilled, smart, great footwork, all that jazz. And then they also dip their toes in the, 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 the fastball, you know, get in transition, you know, flex. They have one of the greatest flexes of all time in, in Candace Parker. Um, she can play literally any position. We'll say it over and over. But when you face up against Seattle, that's what really makes this an interesting matchup to me because Seattle kind of always had that issue of not being able to necessarily go up against the true bigs. They would just try and force their own game upon them and kind of run the ball. And that's what I think makes this matchup so interesting is because LA is able to dip their toes in both, they're able to play Seattle at their game but also force the ball inside and take advantage of those opportunities that they're getting. I mean, Russell uh, for Seattle has definitely caused a little bit of a, a, a change in that modem, as you were. Um, but talk to me about your thoughts as far as the paint and, and, and the styles of play of these two Titans clashing. Yeah, I think that's, that's a very good point. And, it, and it, it proves that the Sparks can kind of take this game wherever they want, which is, which is crucial for them. Because one of the things that stood out to me about about that last game that was just such a a 
dominating performance by the Sparks is so they played three times this year, right? The first game was in Seattle. The Storm beat the Sparks by 22 points. This was back in June when the Sparks didn't look very good and were, were pretty injured. But in that game, Jewel Lloyd had 23 points. Jordan Canada was injured. She didn't even play, and they still won by 22. But but the backcourt was just eating the Sparks alive. With Jewel Lloyd just destroyed them. So then they play again in July, and I was very curious to see how they were going to handle that backcourt of Canada and Lloyd. And, you know, I asked Eric Fisher about it before the game, what they were going to do about it. And he was kind of talking about how you can't really stop them. You can just kind of slow them. But here's some of the things we're going to do. Then in that second game, which the Sparks won, they completely shut down Jewel Lloyd and Jordan Canada, just completely took the backcourt out of the game, won that game by, I think, eight points, kind of a close game. But it, they won because they, they shut down that backcourt. And then in this last game, the 34-point victory, uh, Jewel Lloyd and Jordan Canada, you know, they didn't dominate, but they had good games. They shot efficiently. Uh, they each got some points. They each got some assists. Um, and it didn't matter because the Sparks, like you said, were just completely shutting them down in the interior. So that's something that really plays in their favor is that they've really, you know, they beat the Storm twice this year. And the first time they did it by, by beating them on the perimeter. And the second time they did it by beating them in the interior. And that opens up, you know, a lot of doors for you as a team when you're going into a game knowing we can beat you really in any in any area of this game. And even in the last game, they beat them in the interior, but they were getting out and running. They were getting out in transition, getting a lot of of easy opportunities that they were creating. Had a lot of fast break points that game, if I recall correctly. Uh, certainly had a lot of fast break opportunities. So it's a favorable match for LA right now because this really is a... a a game that they can take to pretty much any spot on the floor and still have the advantage as good as Natasha Howard has been as good as Lloyd and Canada have been, you know, the sparks can claim to have a better perimeter. They can claim to have a better interior. They can claim to have a better half court game, a better transition game. They can take this game where they want to. And that obviously uh, plays pretty strongly in their favor. Well, if we're talking about who's going to dictate where this game goes, we got to talk about Candace Parker. Talk to me. I mean, look, the, the the biggest criticism of Candace Parker, I don't think is a fair criticism currently at her age. Uh, not to knock her. It's just like, let's be real. Sometimes she disappears for a little bit. Or sometimes she takes some time off. Now, do I think that she should be voted most <laughs> underrated player in the league? Hell no. But that being said, like, I that is the only aspect that I think there's some truth to of saying, like, yeah, She'll kind of space out for a little bit during the game. Candace Parker is obviously going to be zoned in in the playoffs. Um, we're getting to the end of her career. She wants more rings, and this is where champions get super serious. So she's a key player for me. Talk to me about what you need to see in your eyes from Candace Parker as far as getting the ball going, getting moving early in this game to stay active. Yeah, well, there are a few different things that that the Sparks really need to see from Candace. And and first off, just to, to touch on that point of her you know, kind of disappearing, spacing out uh, a little bit. That is definitely extremely true. And I also think fans don't realize how much she was dealing with injuries this year. I don't think she let on quite how how much she was hampered by not just the injuries, but by the rehab process, which I think when you're a player at her age, who has seen as many minutes as she has, I think the rehab process of an injury, even a small one, 
is more grueling than actually playing the game. Um, so I think, you know, some of that has, has been excusable for that reason. But like you said, the best players show up when the games really matter. I expect that we'll see that from Candace. But I think the most important thing for her is to really be active offensively. Because one of the things that helped the Sparks in their last game is in general this year, the Storm have done a little bit of a cross matchup with the Sparks where um, Neka Grumake is the Sparks player who defends Natasha Howard. But on the other end of the court, Natasha Howard is defending Candace Parker, uh, which makes sense because Natasha Howard, arguably the best defensive player in the league, and Candace Parker can do everything. It's, it's a good matchup there. But in the last game, Candace was very active. She was spending a lot of time on the perimeter. She was driving. She was getting out in transition. She was running pick and rolls on both the ball handling and the screen setting side of things. And it was really forcing Natasha Howard to work really hard defensively. And the more you force Natasha Howard to work defensively, the less energy she has offensively, the less energy she has for rebounding. And that's a huge part, in my opinion, of why the Sparks dominated the interior in the last game was Candace was playing like a small forward and Natasha Howard was just getting worked and getting exhausted trying to stay with her for so much of that. So that's the biggest thing for me. The second biggest thing with Candace is just to not stagnate when she gets the ball in her hands they need to go to work uh this sparks offense has really been hit or miss this year there have been times like in the last game against seattle they had 102 points in that game against what we know is a really good seattle defense scoring 102 points against them that's exceptional so that's a sign of how good this offense can be when it's flowing but on the on the flip side we've seen the offense struggle so many times and it usually happens because things stagnate, people stop cutting, people stop driving, and it tends to be you get the ball in Candace or Chelsea Gray's hands, and they just kind of stand there, wait around for something to happen. Uh, Candace can dictate that when she gets the ball at the elbow, at the wing, on the block, wherever she needs to go to work, passing, driving, facing up, whatever, uh, because that's when the offense is working is when they are being active. And that starts with Candace Parker. When she is active, when she is trying to make things happen, things usually happen with all five of the players on the offense. And so that's that's the biggest thing I'm looking for from her is just activity. Get the offense flowing. Make Natasha Howard work. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you're saying. Um, and it's, it's interesting because hearing you talk about that, it's like... Howard's a player who not once this whole season have I said she looks tired until that game. And I was like, wow. Yeah. That, and and that is impressive. That shows you that vet savviness, that ability to exhaust a player on the other end, even without, you know, throwing in the exhaustion that might you automatically think goes with that. Let's flip it on the other side, though. I want I, I'm, I'm picking this for you. My key player for Seattle uh, is Jewel Lloyd. We, we've seen her get shut down a good amount. We saw her also struggle with injuries throughout the season. She really showed up in that game against Minnesota. And to me, I've said this all year long, if this team wants to overcome the many hurdles that have been put in front of them, it's going to be on the back of Jewel Lloyd. We know Natasha Howard is a beast and she's going to get hers. But you need that secondary scorer, that third scorer to really step up. And Jewel Lloyd needs to be that secondary scorer if this team wants to make a serious run in the playoffs. Talk to me about the importance of uh, Jewel and what she can do or what weaknesses she might be looking to take advantage of on the uh, defense of L.A. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree that she's the most important player for Seattle in this game. Uh, she has the ability to make things a little bit of a struggle there for for the Sparks, and and that's key for two for two main reasons here. Uh, not only can she put up points and and force the Sparks in, you know, having to deal with a great player, but she can dictate the personnel that's on the floor for the Sparks because if they're having a hard time containing her then they have to start playing some of their players who are less offensively talented. You're talking about more minutes possibly for Elena Beard, who just is hasn't been healthy, hasn't been right this season. Right now, she's a little bit of a liability on offense. Uh, it means you have to play Tierra Ruffin Pratt more minutes, who ha- is good and has earned those minutes, but often brings down the offense of the Sparks a little bit. Uh, so... Th- She's a key, a very key player from that end, just because, you know, part of the reason why the Sparks dominated in, in the last game was they didn't have to make any adjustments. They didn't have to change any of their personnel, any of their offensive style, any of their defensive style based on anything Seattle was doing. But Jewel Lloyd is the one player that that presents that opportunity where if she is playing, if she is cooking, then you have to adjust. You have to change the things you're doing. You have to change the players that you're putting on the court. You have to change the way you're playing defense. The Sparks the Sparks do an interesting matchup uh, in most of their games where they put their point guard, Chelsea Gray, on the opposing team's small forward. Um, in this case, you know, Alicia Clark. And then they put Tierra Ruffin-Pratt on whoever is the strongest backcourt player. So in this case... Jewel Lloyd, uh, and and it works pretty well. But they also are pretty switch heavy defense. So even if Ruffin Pratt is locking down Lloyd, if if Lloyd is relentless and persistent and starts working on some of those screens and getting some switches, maybe she gets Raquana Williams switched onto her. Maybe she gets Sydney Weiss switched onto her. Then you're able to start getting some easier buckets. You force Derek Fisher to consider what personnel he has on the court and in addition to that you start wearing down the team by getting into the lane one area where the sparks have had a tremendous weakness this year is in free throw discrepancy they foul a lot i don't think their foul discrepancy is that much bigger because um they draw a lot of fouls on the perimeter, but they don't draw fa- shooting fouls, and they commit a ton of shooting fouls. So if you you've you've been reading those uh those uh game yes, notes, from yes, the PR, the, the, the PR is heavy on on addressing this one, and and the players are too. You know, they they've brought it up a lot of times, but for the most part, the Sparks individuals, other than Shanae Gumake, have done a good job of staying out of foul trouble. But we have seen games where where they get into foul trouble where where Neca or Candace pick up a few, or Tierra Ruffin-Pratt, I think, in their last game, uh, didn't play that many minutes because she was picking up some fouls. Uh, so Jewel Lloyd certainly presents that ability as well because she can penetrate. She can start to force the help defense to react, which is can be a way to, to get through this L.A. defense. Let's talk about offense. Key players, in my mind, for the Sparks, and I'll let you talk about whoever, uh, Candace Parker or Quana Williams. It's gonna be it's gonna be them two in my mind. Obviously, everyone knows Candace, so I had to throw in another player who I think could be a spark plug, really put in some big points and take this team to the next level. Uh, is there any other player that you're kind of eyeing besides those two who might be Raquana? Yeah, 
Yeah, Raquana is just, I mean, you said it right. She's a spark plug. She's she's had a few games this year where she has just exploded. And when she does that, they don't lose. Like, well, I shouldn't say that because she did have that game versus Vegas where she put up an obscene first half and then they lost. But for the most part, she's kind of been a barometer for them. It happened in in their final game of the season versus Minnesota. It was a close game. Uh, I think the Sparks were up by one or two at halftime. And then they came out of the third quarter and Raquana hit three three three-pointers in like a two-minute span. One of them was a four-point play. One of them forced Cheryl Reeve to call a timeout just so she could get Odyssey Sims out of the game because she couldn't guard Raquana Williams. And suddenly it went from a two-point game to a double-digit game and it was never close after that. And I think that's the role that Raquana can play on this Sparks team as a lethal three-point shooter and as one of the most explosive athletes in the league is she has the ability to be a run in and of herself. She has the ability to have a two, three, five-minute stretch where she just catches fire. And not only is it debilitating, but it can swing you from a five-point deficit to a five-point lead or a tie game to a double-digit lead. And a lot of times that's all you need, especially with this Sparks team where when they are clicking, they are so, so, so good. But when the game is close, sometimes they don't seem to have that confidence or that comfort that they're as good as they actually are. So having a player that can just inject some quick offense, give you that lead that allows you to kind of play a little bit more comfortably and go, hey, this is we're really good at this. Let, let's go do it. I think that is is huge. Uh, but I also think Neko Gumake is, is a really crucial offensive player here uh, because she will most likely not be guarded by Natasha Howard. Again, they usually put Howard on Parker. And you know, Neko Gumake is one of the best players in the league. And she is automatic if she gets the ball in the paint. Uh, so if she is able to get offensive rebounds, if she's able to get a little bit of space as the screen setter in the pick and roll, she's going to start getting the ball in those favorable positions that really change things when you play a team like Seattle. And they're they're going to have to make adjustments if she is is playing that well. I mean, in the last game against Seattle, she only had 14 points, but she only played 17 minutes. Um, she just dominated. There was nothing that Mercedes Russell could do there were so many times where they were having to send you know a guard down into the paint just to provide some extra coverage on Agumake because for the most part if she catches the ball within 8 feet of the hoop no one can guard her one on one especially when you're not putting Natasha Howard on her so if if she's creating opportunities for herself i think she can really disrupt Seattle's game plan because if you put Natasha Howard on someone who's not Neko Agumake and Neko Agumake starts eating, you have to rethink your entire defensive plan. You have to change things because there's nothing you can do at that point. So if Neko gets it going, I don't see a way that Seattle can stay with LA. Yeah, I, I expect to see a, a nice uh, wave of different defenders trying to, to lock her down because uh, Howard's got to stay on Candace Parker. Let's flip it to the Storm, though. I'm looking at Jewel Lloyd. I already spoke about her being a key player. But Sammy Wickham, um, the Achilles heel for the, the the Sparks defense this whole season has been the three ball. Sammy Wickham has one of the most beautiful 
and deadliest shots in the W. And we're not even talking about the league-leading three-point percentage shooter in Alicia Clark. We're talking Sammy Wickham. I think she's going to be kind of similar to Raquana. She can be a spark plug that just drops 12 points real quickly, disappears for uh, you know another portion of the game, but that 12-point spurt pushes their team over. Is there anybody else offensively that you're looking at uh, from Seattle that might be painful for LA to watch? Those are definitely the keys for me. Um, um, you're definitely on the money there because the Sparks, as much as they like to say that one of their defensive values is to defend the three-point line, the reality is there have been so many games this year where players just repeatedly get open three after open three after open three uh, against LA. Whitcomb burned them earlier in the year. Uh, we've seen Leilani Mitchell just have a destructive performance. Like you said, they just have issues defending the three ball, and and I think Whitcomb and Clark have that ability to come in spurts, and all of a sudden you're putting up nine or twelve points in in three or four possessions, and just like that, it switches the game, and and you're in a little bit of of trouble. So those are kind of the the biggest, but I do think Jordan Canada presents an interesting situation for the Sparks, just because. Um, She's obviously extremely talented. Uh, she can get out in transition, which sometimes the Sparks are are slow to get back defensively. And and Canada is going to be guarded, at least out of the gate, by Raquana Williams, who I think is an underrated defender, but has a lot of weaknesses on that side of the floor. And um, Canada certainly has the ability to get the better of that matchup and to kind of dictate the pace of the game. If she's getting out in transition, maybe she's forcing some some mismatches there defensively uh so i think she plays a big role but like you said the three-point shooting is is a really big one because the sparks struggle there and i think just the transition game is a big one because the sparks aren't always comfortable when they kind of have to adjust and have to improvise and if you're getting out and pushing in transition even if you're not scoring off of that you're forcing the defense to match up in ways that they weren't initially planning on matching up and you get some cross matches that you can potentially take advantage of. And that is one of the keys, I think, to beating LA because they're a lot more comfortable when they get to set up the way they want to set up. And if you force them to improvise a little bit, you can find some openings. Yeah, I agree. I mean, let's talk about defense, though. I'm just going to run through my four key players on defense. Tell me if you agree, disagree, if I should add anybody to the list um, or if I'm completely off. Key defenders for the Storm, for me, I'm saying Mercedes Russell and Jordan Canada. Um, whether, you know, obviously who they're going to be matched up against is going to be different. But for me, the two key elements are disrupting the guard play because we know ISO Gray can do some dirty work. And then controlling the paint as we saw them get destroyed last game. And then flip it to the other side, giving a shout out to my girl NECA, who's going to need to be a dominant force again in that paint. And then... TRP. I mean, her defensive ability this whole season has been great. She kind of has that storm element where she'll just, for the first two quarters, meet you right off the inbound and just get in your head and pick away at you uh, until you make some mistakes. Am I am I missing anybody? No, I think that's I think that is that is right on the money. Um, TRP is, is a huge one. I mean, if she again, she'll she's going to open up the game on Jewel Lloyd if if she shuts down Jewel Lloyd the way that we know she has the ability to, um, it's really difficult for me to envision any path to victory. 
for Seattle. Um, if, I'll, I'll translate that. They're losing. Yes, they're losing. There, there's, <laughs> there's no way that Seattle can win this game if Jewel, if TRP gets the better of Jewel Lloyd. There's just, there's just no way, and she can. So that's what makes it such a, a, a critical, critical matchup. And also, you know, I think another big thing there with the TRP matchup is when she's at her best, she is able to fight through screens, fight over screens, and allow LA to not have to switch to not get those bad mismatches. If she is doing that, if she's keeping Lloyd from having those possessions where she can get switched onto over Quana Williams or a Sydney Weiss, then that's just a huge win for LA. And then on the other side, I agree with you with, with what you said about Seattle, especially when it comes to, to Mercedes Russell, because again, that, that matchup against Neko Gumake, you know, that's not a matchup that looks good for her on paper. Um, and if it goes the way that we would assume it will go, then it's big, it's big trouble for Seattle. They're going to have to change things. They're going to have to put different people on, or they're going to have to send help, which opens up the three point shooting for LA. But if Mercedes Russell can hold her own on that end of the court, if she can force Neka Grumake into just an average night instead of a good or a great night, that allows you to play straight up. You live with some of those points. You force LA to get the rest of their points from harder spots on the floor. Uh, you allow everyone to play straight up. You keep the open three-point shooters at bay, and that's what gives you a chance to have a strong defensive outing, in my opinion. All right, I got two two requests for you. Request number one, um, while well, I know you're going to be at the game, I want you to go up to Klopp, to Gary Klopp, and I want you to have a battle of the Klops and decide once and for all who's the true Klopp. <laughs> Well, as long as it doesn't involve, you know, a test of, of basketball knowledge, because I, I think he would uh, he would assert his clock <laughs> dominance in that department. I'm going to find a way to have you guys compete in something uh, for the title of the true clock. But on a more serious note, um, I'll be kind and I'll give my score prediction first and then I'll let you go. Uh, I want numbers. All right. Some of our guests who have come on to talk about these playoff previews have shied away from the numbers. I think you got to go numbers. Uh, it's too easy to pick one team. I'm going 94-85. So a nice, a nice nine point win for the LA Sparks. All right. Moving All right. The semifinals. I like that. What's yours? Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go a little bigger. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go 84-70. Ooh. Who do you think's winning? I think LA. Okay. LA, definitely. Um, I think Seattle has a little bit of a better uh, defensive performance than they did the other day. I think they slow things down a little bit. I don't think LA is going to have quite the offensive um, outburst that they had, uh, but I think this is a game that they're going to control. Uh, you know, LA hasn't had very good first quarters most of the year, but I think they're going to really take control in the second quarter and in the third quarter. I think it's going to to be a pretty comfortable win. Maybe, maybe Seattle closes the gap a little bit um, in the final minutes, but I think this is going to be a game that for the most part is over by the fourth quarter. Uh, I think it'll be a double digit win. I think it'll be a strong performance on both sides of the court for LA and a decent performance by Seattle who just, let's face it, it does not have as much talent with the injuries that they have. They're, they're not as talented as LA. There's no shame in losing a road playoff game to a team with better personnel. Uh, so I think both teams are going to play decently, uh, but LA is going to come out 
As we say, we believe the players of the W and its community deserve the same in-depth analysis and respect that men's sports receive on a daily basis. Please consider joining our Patreon community to help support us in the hard work we do covering the W. Thanks, Brady, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on, or, I mean, whatever, but hopefully we'll have you on either way uh, come next round of the playoffs. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, man. As always. <laughs>